I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter, and I am double vaccinated, which I'm very proud of. Ooh, and I'm director of the Fifth Element, where I highlight the Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge, attention. Oh, you niggas. Oh, you bitches. Time to throw some motherless motherfucker. This thing is Shout out, to the pe- shout out to the people that heard that song on a Def Jam 5 for my You lot are the real ones. Never played that game. Boss game. Boss game. Top tier. Top god tier fighting game. Oh my gosh. Absolutely great. The storyline sucks, but the story mode is whack, but it's just it's great. It's great. When just getting the just getting the boys around, just like picking your favorite rapper and just whacking the shit out of people is, is fucking good. This is so great. Absolutely top tier PS2 game. Shout out to the PS2 era. Hi Ben, how's your week been? What have you been to this week? Well, I'm mad excited because I get to go see my nephew today because our lockdowns were eased, our restrictions were eased if you're double vaccinated, so I'm giddy, I'm giddy. I'm going to see people for the first time in three months. I also listened to quite a lot, well not quite a lot of music, I did listen to a lot of music, I'm going to talk about a little bit, uh, Lil Nas X, Montero. So Lil Nas X, is a, he's a really compelling person, like genuinely, his ability to navigate the truly truly toxic landscape of social media while still promoting awareness and trolling homophobes is something i've never seen done on that scale before it's immense and all of that would actually be enough even if the music sucked but it has never sucked you know i heard an inkling back when i listened to panini for the first time in 2019 after old town road i was like man this guy is nowhere near his peak yet you know this is there's a lot of growth to come here and uh, this album is proof of that. It's brilliant. I really love it. And it has even more room for improvement, I think. I think his gift for finding the melody and instrumentals that, like, let's be honest, the instrumentals aren't setting the world on fire here. But his gift for melody is so strong and it's entirely separate from his ability to make his detractors look really stupid on the internet. The way that he moves us through emotion over the top of like these horn sections and the understated fanfare on this record is really beautiful. Lyrically, I think he tracks simple territory on most occasions. There are, you know, a lot of lovelorn songs, criticisms of those who doubted him, but he also delivers complexity, like Tales of Dominica, which details his psychological angst and his shaky emotional states. And on the very next song, Sun Goes Down, he actually describes self-doubt and dissociation and the concept of staying busy to distract yourself from pain only to be confronted by it when the sun goes down and the thoughts flood back in. Like that hit way too close to home, that song. Uh, Absent absolutely is the naivety and the, the joyful abandon of his 7 EP. This is a much darker and introspective look at his sexuality, his flame, his fame, sorry, and what it's like to exist in hip-hop and mainstream pop culture as Lil Nas X. It's actually a fascinating album. It's a great record. And 
the response online on on Twitter is uh, from my followers has just been we didn't expect this to be great, but it really is really good. It's same similar to the Doja Cat album where people are saying like you know people who maybe wouldn't listen to Doja Cat normally, people who maybe wouldn't listen to Lil Nas X normally, they're going this is really great. And so you know if you haven't been listening to it and you think it's just some pop throwaway, I highly recommend it. Give it a spin. Tommy Genesis Goldilocks X. Tommy Genesis began rapping in 2013. She released her debut album in 2018, and she's worked as a model. I think it was a Calvin Klein she worked with in 2017. So this record is short and sharp, but her confidence and her ability is it just she just runs rampant across this album, man. Really wildly diverse beats. Like the first track sounds like if Timberland remade Grindin'. And then the next track kind of escalates things slightly more. It's almost like a Timbaland B-side on a Calvin Harris album. By the time we get to A Woman Is A God, it's like 3 a.m. house music when the rave has like hit its peak and the heartbeats are just going crazy and everyone's just lost in the music. It's amazing. And then after that, the record actually like deconstructs itself. And Tommy Genesis molds into each beat like she's part of the instrumentals. I think A Woman Is A God is probably the standout, but I think the whole album is a great journey. I think it's best consumed as a project. Um, I think it, you know, I took A Woman Is A God off it and put it on the playlist, but I could have put five or six songs on there. It's amazing. Matching Rolexes from Currency. Nothing I can say here, man. Just another, another Currency project. It's great. It's a solid 8 out of 10. He just... I don't know how this guy just keeps putting out the same kind of music and it just keeps hitting, but it does. It just sounds great. I love Currency and Millions Provisional License. Uh, before I started this episode, I didn't have much... Like, I, I, I was... Sorry, before I listened to this album, I wasn't really sure uh, what to expect from Millions. Like, was he going to go in a more diverse direction? Was he just going to go straight up and down, straight drill? Uh, I think some of the beats on here, he goes in a little bit more of a diverse direction, but I think that the the BPMs and the bass lines are straight up drill. And this is his debut mixtape. This is his debut mixtape. In 2019, I think he dropped like 10 singles, or 20, maybe it was 2020, and none of them went on uh, on the album, so on the, on the project. So I didn't really know what to expect from a full-length project. I think it's 12 songs, 13 songs. It doesn't drag. It doesn't drag. He's, he's compelling on every one of these. I think it's well worth a listen. I enjoyed it a lot. So that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I got into some real good stuff. Uh, some stuff, uh, you know, just uh, st- stuff that's been on the list for a minute. Some that's uh, recently come to my attention. So, uh, yeah, just a bit of a catch-up week. Uh, Dirty Needles, the loot box, a little EP. Um, I love this dude. I love his uh, I love his bars. I love the uh, constant referencing of games, uh, especially in this particular EP where... Every track is basically referencing something game-wise, hence the term loot box. Um, but yeah, I just love the dude's bars. I, l- I just love the way he... I just love his flow, like, consistently. He's always just hitting it. Always hitting it hard. Uh, and I'm, I'm just here for that, man. You know I mean, just... If you want some, if you want to do that, just just hit some decent bars and maybe get some good game references out there if you're that kind of person. Go for that, man. Don't need a little shout. Uh, Common, A Beautiful Revolution Part 2. Uh, this is a really big far cry from part one which is um obviously very um very introspective and very i wouldn't say dark but just you know just very uh dim dim lighted if that makes any sense so, you know just very uh very deep that's the that's the term i'm looking for and um, this one's a bit more fresh a little more a little more out there uh instrumentation is very interesting I'd, I'd, I'd hazard to say that 
this is probably the most uh, uh, esoteric, you know, next to something like Electric Circus. It's just, it's, it's in that esoteric nature, um, as it pertains to like a, what Common's uh, rapping over in terms of just uh, you know, production wise. Uh, he has a PJ, um, uh, noted uh, just collaborator uh, on her side um, for Common uh, uh, throughout the project, and she's very she's very much a part of this project as as much as Common in my view. Uh, great features apart from that. Uh, who have we got? Let me find out. <sighs> Why did I say that and then not have the fucking thing loaded up? Because I'm stupid. Yeah, we have a uh, Black Thought and uh, and uh, Se- is it Seyun Kuti? Hopefully, I got that right. Uh, Brittany Howard on Saving Grace is top notch, top notch here for that song in particular, um, and also the intro and outro. Um, they're very they're, they're basically spoken word. Um, first one's by Jessica Caremore, and the last one uh, is by Morgan Parker, and they just really bookend this project really nicely. And I really like. I I just enjoy that. I I enjoy that side of it. It kind of reminds me of um how uh, you know when um uh, Common had his father to uh you know kind of bookend his albums. It was it, it kind of reminded me of that, and uh, just having two women do it uh, is uh, all the more uh, fulfilling on that front. Uh, Berwin, uh, tape two slash, how do you say that? Fomal Hout, F O M A L H A U T, Fomal Hout. Sounds sounds German. Um, but yeah, uh, I basically got onto this guy off uh, off the back of the Mercury Prize. Shout out to Ola Parks for winning. Uh, meant to say, meant to mention that next week, uh, last week, um, but didn't. Uh, but yeah, I just I just heard, I saw Berwin uh, perform off his uh, album from twenty twenty. Uh, which got nominated for a Mercury Prize, but this one, this was a different project. This is his next project that came out this year, and um, yeah, I, I like the, I like the, you know, he always has this uh, piano, just always, always in, as a foundation, right, and every, pretty much every track, um, and that, and that's it, and that gives some nice, uh, that gives him reason to be, you know, uh, to to lock in the vocals. Um, he does. He, he basically halves and halves it. You know, what I mean, has some melodic, melodic singing numbers. Uh, dips into rappings now and again for the verses. Uh, my only problem is, and this is again personal. Um, I always, I'm always like this when it comes to this kind of thing. But if you're gonna do auto tune, just do it. Don't don't half do it and half not. Cause like you, you can, it's just a tinge of it there, and it just jars the hell out of me every time I listen to it. Um, so that's the only negative I have personally. Some people might not even care, um, and that's fine. But um, yeah, apart from that, solid project. And uh, yeah, and and the subject matter is really fascinating. Like he constantly talks about um, how he used to be homeless. Um, a lot of anecdotal uh, tracks, which is all good. And uh, yeah, shout out to Berman on that front. Uh, floating points, Pharaoh Sanders and the London Symphony Orchestra promises. Um, this is a very very interesting. Uh, kind of like i guess live recording uh, of an album of their album uh floating points is a producer uh, from the uk pharaoh sanders is like a i don't know how old he is but he is old as shit and um but yeah he's a really apparent apparently this is to my knowledge i've, I've recently learned this guy um is a um, a legendary saxophonist and uh, i'm i i've been sleeping clearly um so yeah man he's uh he's been he's been he's been there since coltrane uh basically <laughs> he's uh he, he's he's in it um but yeah uh, this is a very fascinating project um overall 
it really just uh, goes in movements. They're literally just called movement one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, forty-five, for, just over forty-five minutes, um, and yeah, just a really. It's just really nice to listen to. I think you'd like it, Ben. Actually, uh, as, as someone who you know listens to the, goes to sleep to ambient music and all that kind of stuff. It's it's you know it's 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 it's, it's ambient, but you know it has some it has some energetic moments coming in now and again. Uh, but it always comes back to like a real just uh, fine foundation of just this uh, one refrain of like a it's like a it's like bells of some sort. I don't know really, I don't know how to explain it, but. It's, when you when you hear it, you just hear it constantly, and it always it always comes through. And uh, Ferris Sanders with the saxophone just comes in, just like blasts, and just injects you with some energy. Uh, rudimental ground control. I've always enjoyed Rudimental's music. Um, ever since Home, their first album, that album is just a honestly that would be something I'd probably that'll probably be like my next album to pick when we do Contemporary Cool, uh, because I just find that album so fascinating to listen to, and uh, you know. They've had a couple of albums obviously since then, and I'm not. I've been kind of like, I've been kind of lukewarm on some of it. Um, you know, they've had good songs here and there, good singles and good deep cuts. But uh, you know, it's it's it, it, it's part of the course with these with the, these kind of groups where you know they they do a lot of things and they kind of try and reinvent themselves every time and try try and have a different essence every time. But obviously, have a bunch of features, um, as does this, uh, as uh, as this one uh, does as well. There's a bunch of freaking features uh, to, to to name. Um, but yeah, yeah, overall, I like the album. I I I I do I did enjoy listening to it. Um, I will say the one track that probably took me out of it in in terms of just the whole essence of the album is probably "Be Somebody." Even though that I can see that song being made by Rudimental, if that makes any sense, or I can see it on a different album, um, just mixed in, which is placed where it was, it was not placed very well for me. But apart from that, you know, you have a uh, 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 Tion Wayne and Marie on the first track was really good. Hardy Caprio on Ghost was good. Uh, Morgan Diggity and Tycon be the one was amazing. Uh, Maverick Saber and Koji Radical on Distance bangs. Afronaut Zoo on Crazy. Morgan on Hostess. Uh, Hamza and House Gospel Choir on the last track. Keep your head up. Is crazy, um, uh, and yeah, I think I think Morgan. Shout out to Morgan, MVP on that on that project. I think every time she came on, she was she fucking nailed it. Um, but yeah, overall, shout out to Rudimental. Always always supportive for the, those guys. Absolutely always banging out good music. Uh, Jones Blue Sunshine EP. Another person that I've been really into over the years. Um, but you know, her, her music has just like, uh, you know, been very few and far in between, uh, her album New Skin from 2016 was just absolutely outstanding, I, I just love that album, um, I've been waiting for an album ever since, and she's dropped some, you know, stuff here and there, uh, she dropped a couple of EPs in 2018 if I remember correctly, that was really good, um, but this one's kind of, uh, more, more, more back to roots, um, less of the poppy elements that came from New Skin, uh, more traditional R&B here, uh, very nice. I love the uh, title track, Blue Sunshine, especially, and also Uniform with Joe Armand Jones. Love that track, and I love Joe Armand Jones as well. A uh, very nice addition on that front. So, yeah, a great EP. And lastly, Jordan Rakay, What We Call Life. Uh, love me some Jordan Rakay. Absolutely one of the best voices uh, in the game right now. Uh, he's in R&B circles. He's in jazz circles. Um, always just drop in amazing features whenever he's on something. Um, and this album is uh, actually very different from uh, the origin. 
uh, from 2020, which that felt uh, the only thing I think about that album is just floating in water. And uh, this one's a bit more different. Um, it's, a, it's a bit more retro in its vibe. Um, and I'm here for that. There's some good stuff in here, some really good uh, concepts. Uh, Family's a great track, Illusion, uh, Runaway, uh, Wings, uh, The Flood. It was like seven minutes at the end. Absolute bang, uh, absolute banger. Um, actually, you know, also Brace as well. From Runaway, Runaway, Wings, Brace, and The Flood. The, those last four tracks just really just take the album home and make it uh, what it is uh, for me. Um, so yeah, man, shout out to John McKay, one of the best voices in the game. And with that said, we shall hop into our topic for this episode, and it is to the mayor of Brick City, the Superman lover, uh, Reggie, uh, Re- Reggie Noble, uh, Red Man. And uh, yeah, man, this is kind of a, this is, this is one of those where, you know, I've known of Red Man for years, right? I think, you know, from most people know about Red Man in, in, in some fashion, whether you, you know, watched How High... Uh, or uh, you know, or, or obviously listen to his stuff, or you're like me that <laughs> really liked his character on a on a Def Jam fight friend. Why his character cons- all all his moves, like his special move, is like uh, just literally punching everyone in the nuts, and it was just the the animation is just absolutely comical. He you just you just picks a dude up and he just like fucking just fucking wails into everyone's nuts. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. One of his hilarious moves in fighting games ever. Um, but yeah, you know, I feel like he's, you know, a ubiquitous name. Um, but music-wise, I don't really know if people actually respect the artistry here um, in terms of just, like, you know, conversations about, you know, the best MCs, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I rarely hear Redman in the conversation, unless you're, like, really supremely East Coast or uh, New Jersey uh, uh, leaning, I don't really see many people talk about Redman in the you know in the, in the legendary status. You know what I mean in in that in that uh, pantheon of just like top tier MCs. Um, I feel I've, he's probably I think I think people know his respect him, but I just don't feel like he gets the recognition I feel like he deserves. So um, this is this is one of the episodes I, th- I feel like uh, where you know this is uh, a real flower giving. Um, I haven't listened to most of his albums. I listened. I remember listening to uh, you know his first two. Uh, actually, his first three. I remember listening to him a few years ago, and I enjoyed them. Um, but past that, I haven't really listened to much. I remember that he did like a three pack last year or two years ago. Those those were quite good. There was one. There was one that was like a slap machine and it constantly has like this dish sound. It's, it's just uh, absolutely outstanding. I love that track. Um, but yeah, you know. It, we're here to give some flowers, definitely, for this one, uh, and uh, I think Ben's going to guess him up way more than I am uh, throughout this episode. So, uh, yeah, with that said, Ben, what have you got for us tonight? Top 10 rapper of all time. Top 10. There it is. <laughs> top 10. Dive straight on in. Dive on in. He replaced Method Man in my top 10 after doing this episode. You know, I was always... I always Do you literally have just, like, a rolling list? Just like, because I have, I have lists of stuff on my Evernote, um, and I actually legit changed them now and again. But I'm just wondering if you actually keep a genuine list, like I keep it. I definitely keep it, but I keep it in my working memory. I don't, I don't like keep okay. it updated physically, but okay. uh, it kind of. Yeah, like... I keep my top five in memory, but not a top ten. No. Yeah, I mean, it changes. Obviously, it changes, and and maybe Meth will get back in there at some point. But like after listening, going back over Reggie Noble's discography, I mean, firstly, his his success predates Method Man by a full two years, and. 
as I went through this episode, uh, man, look, I I didn't know who he was in 2003 when I first heard Eminem reference him. I didn't know who he was in 2002 when I first saw him on Christina Aguilera's Dirty, you know. And his story is fascinating, so we're going to get into it. It's a bit of a long episode because he has a lot of albums, but he was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. He was expelled from school due to his bad grades. He was actually kicked out of his his house for selling cocaine. His mom kicked him out. And he told Vlad, and, you know, as everyone tells Vlad, uh, New Jersey was a wild place to live in the 1980s. It was known for jacking cars. And Redman also told Vlad about the environment of selling around him and how he was embedded in that lane. But he always had music as his passion, which was separate from all of that. Now, he was on a robbery with his people, and he said that he got caught out and he got beaten down. And he knew from that point that he wasn't going to, he didn't want to do that anymore. He wasn't, he, he didn't want to do it. And he, he actually said to his brother, uh, and he told Vlad this, uh, fuck that, this is not for me. So once he'd been kicked out of his home at age 16, he started beginning focusing on rapping. Now, he used the money that he was making to reinvest in equipment and records so he could start sampling and creating beats. Now, this was already on the back of his, his uh, he, he was a DJ, so he started DJing at the age of 12. And he already had four years of experience, obviously, before he even began spinning bars. Now, it was EPMD strictly business that he credits as inspiring him to pursue rap. He said when he first heard it, he was actually with his sister. And he said to his sister that she could rap and he would be the DJ. He said he felt like this was the future. Rapping was the future. Uh, But he didn't consider himself a rapper at the time. Uh, and his sister, either I, he didn't, he wasn't clear whether his sister said no or she just didn't respond in time. So he actually ended up doing it alone. And he said that his earliest influences were Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, Biz Marquee, Juice Crew. He actually credits Biz for introducing funk into his production vernacular, which, if you listen to his first two records, and we'll get into it, um, I don't know any East Coast MC who was had g-funk like that like it was wild in in those first two albums so by the time he was 16 he had all the tools to be self-sufficient you know he was a dj with experience so he could produce his own beats he had money to buy equipment from his extracurricular activities and he was really passionate but the one thing he needed was a door to open for him so he went to an mc light show in new jersey with his friends but mc light actually canceled and instead epmd got up on stage and performed now red red man's friend had a connection with epmd so they got backstage and a cypher broke out and eric sermon asked red man if he could rap and red man said and i say verbatim nah i only got a couple of rhymes i only dj now eric uh persisted and uh red man dropped some bars and he ended up on stage at the show with Eric Sermon. Now, Sermon was suitably impressed and passed his number on to Redman's friend, who in turn passed it to Redman. But Redman wanted to give his friend the first shot at this chance because his friend was a rapper too. But when five months had passed and his friend hadn't called or hadn't got on to Eric Sermon, Redman took it upon himself. And this is what he said. This is what Redman said. And then after that, when I finally got in touch with E, it was just like magic, man. I had nowhere to go. My parents had kicked me out. He told me to come to Long Island to live, and I went to go stay with him in a one-bedroom apartment with Bernard Alexander. Now, Eric Sermon said this, I knew there was something spectacular about him. Right off the bat, the next day we talked, and within the next two or three months, he moved to Long Island to my crib. He moved right into my apartment. Now, Redman would go on tour with EPMD. He would perform bag-carrying duties. He would rap on stage. He was basically learning the ropes. And during a show in New York, 
Redman freestyled a track using every single letter in the alphabet. The original alphabetical slaughter, which was, you know, popularized by Papoose in the early 2000s. Now, I wish I could find a recording of this song, but even the lyrics somewhere, but, you know, this is the beauty of the pre-internet age. So much exists only in the minds of those present on the night. Uh, so yeah, man, uh, this was, they say that this was truly when Redman became a member of the Hit Squad and he began working on his de- debut album in EPMD's, uh, next project. Now Redman told Drink Champs, Das FX was the last member to come in. And when Das FX got signed, then I got signed. Then we kind of came up with a Hit Squad. I think Parrish did it and we went out on the road. We caught ourselves a hit squad. I don't think I had a strong single or anything, but I was on the road with them. It was kind of before my album that we had the hit squad. I was going out and doing freestyles and I was murdering shit, murdering everything on the road every time they brought me out. So he was brought under the EPMD wing and he appeared on Hardcore and Brothers on uh, uh, Business As Usual and he built huge buzz for his debut album. Now, I think that Reggie Noble's origin story is interesting because despite the freestyles on the live shows, I don't think anyone could have truly predicted how tight and influential his first two records would be. And not maybe from the standpoint you might think, because he identified as a DJ for so long, I don't even think he understood how lyrically capable he was. And the sheer number of lyrics from those first two albums that have been interpolated by legends... I don't know how many have been like that. Like this is we're talking like Illmatic levels of recycling. And I'll get the statistics when we get into the albums. But uh man, in the end, guess who pops back up? It's fucking Q tip. Q tip just pops back up in this story. You might remember him from randomly meeting diggable planets on the street or linking far side up with Jay Diller. Q tip was at Rush Management's headquarters and he heard Jam for You by Redman. And he convinced Leo to give him a deal. And Redman's debut album came out on Rush. And obviously, you know, he ended up under Def Jam. And that was it, man. That was that was the fire that started the whole thing. That is absolutely fascinating. And also, big ups to big ups Eric Sermon, man. Like, I'm I'm Eric starting Sermon. to see some patterns here as well. Right? Like, in, he's in everywhere. Just, like, he's everywhere in these he, episodes. He's, he's, He's 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 turning up a couple of times now. Yeah. He's been turning up a couple of times there. So that, yeah, that EPMD uh, retrospective is going to be Oof. absolutely juicy, definitely juicy. Um, so yeah, first album. What what the album? Uh, a side note. Do you think he was the first person to use the uh, in a, in a, in the hip hop sense? Like um. obviously the obviously the is like you know uh, you know old English, but. Uh, I'm just wondering who did the in a, in in hip hop first because that'd be interesting. Uh, just a wonder, just a wonder because obviously you know Megan The Stallion has basically hijacked it. But I just saw that because he's because Redman did it twice on two albums. So I'm just I'm just, I was just wondering where that came, uh, who did it first. Um, but anyway, yeah, what the album? Um, yeah, man, G Funk from an East Coast like just just that just 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 start there. 1992, this drop. And you have an East Coast rapper popping on some G funk, like that. That that doesn't make sense. Like just off the bat. So we so it's, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the landscape as well here because I'm I'm just trying I'm just trying to think about it because obviously uh, N.W.A. was like ninety eighty ninety one right. So 80, late eighties ninety one. Uh, if I remember correctly, so after that, Dre did Chronic, right? So that's just because obviously we people use Chronic as like you know the the the, the G Funk Bible, right? Obviously, there's been obviously there's albums before it, 
yeah, we we discussed that with the uh, Warren G. DJ uh, Quick, but yeah, let's just let's just let's just say yeah, DJ Quick. Let's just um let's just say Chronic for for the sake of it, uh, just for the sake of argument. So, Chronic was what ninety ninety two. <sighs> 92 around the same time right yeah really around the same time yep. uh, here we go uh december ni- <laughs> december 92 mm-hmm. right okay that's fascinating so what the album dropped months before mm-hmm. the chronic <laughs> and, and reggie and reggie noble produced a whole heap of these a whole heap of these tracks um, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Literally, uh, apart from, literally apart from hardcore, all the tracks has Reggie Noble uh, on this, and the rest of them is either Eric Sermon with him or Pete Rock with him on How to Roll a Blunt, absolute classic track. Um, but yeah, that's just he was a producer, man. He was he was a producer, like he was I a just, real thing. I do, I did. That's the that's the. That's the, that's my honestly not to you know do my outro all of a sudden, but mm. that's my biggest takeaway overall from like just me learning about Redman. I did not know how his I did not know his produ- he had producing chops like this. I I just didn't assume, you, you just don't think about it because you think because you listen to Redman right, and as a rapper you're just like Phew. like if you if you we could literally honestly I think I feel like um you remember when we did the streets right. Mm. And we and we did that and we did that impromptu oh, thing where I had the same thought. It was like pick Fuck. a song, pick a song, any song, yeah. and I guarantee you we can get a quotable out of that song, right? I, I, I generally bro. think we could do that with Redman. Oh, I yeah, generally right. think we could do that with Redman. Let's so do it just true. for this. Let's, let's let's do it for fun. Let's just do it for this album. We won't do it for the whole episode, but let's just do it for this album just to make a point. Um, so uh, let me pick. Let me give you. I'm gonna give you. Watch your nuggets. Featuring Eric Sermon. Okay, I'm so going to give... give, give, one, give one I will quick. give you... I'll give you Jam for you. That was the song that got him signed. I'll give you Jam for you. All right, there you go. Nice, nice, nice. All right, so let me let me just look here as I, as I talk. So, yeah, honestly, I feel like for, if Redman is so quotable, it's actually silly. I, I literally think he's so quotable. Like, this, the stuff that he comes out with is so... Just, just, just so creative. It's, it's literally like taking the essence of what rap is, as an element of hip hop, and just absolutely spinning it. Like it, it's, it's absolutely crazy. All right, here we, here we go. Let's, um, let's do this first verse, right? So okay, like, uh, like Technotronic, I'll make the jam pump strong to the finish when I freak the fly gimmick. Like Dinar, uh, oh God, I forgot. I forgot how he says it on the track, but I'm trying to just say it regularly. Uh, Dinar, Dinar, Dudur, without eating my damn spinach. Cause when I'm on a roll, that's when a red, that's when red man start to chill, round off, backflip, cartwheel. Ah, you're na- nasty. I know. When my afro grow, that be more rhymes to flow. But I continue on the menu and send you on a jam that earthquake the whole damn venue. It's like this. It's like that. I won't slack. I pack more steel than the cops pack blackjacks. (laughs) Yo, you just picked a track for me and I just came out with some heat. Like, it's absolutely fucking nuts. All right, give me, give me, give me one I gave you. Just listen, just listen to the start. Like, this is the start of us. Funky, fresh, and a flesh. Flesh. The Superman Grand Slams, a new twist. Scoop this. Red Man is milk, like two tits. I stay freshly dipped with the nine and a clip on my hip. Money grip. No bullshit. I tic-tac on small cracks and I'm all that to fall back. My jaw snap with rap, so um, get the balls, Jack. (laughs) Flavor like flap. 
Flave, possum oh. well paid. Owner made with a machete, Mac Daddy of the decade. There's another one here. My dick's name Machete. I stab much hoe cake. I don't have a car, but own a pair of Reeboks. It gets me where I'm going until my damn feet stops. <laughs> this guy... And he produces. Like, this it, guy is, so, this is, this, is so dumb. This guy is so stupid. <laughs> but you it know what? So and just dumb. on this, just on this, because I didn't put this in my whole thing. Name right. dropping, man. This is fucking Redman. Redman is the name. He might be the genesis of the whole name dropping wave. There are names everywhere. He will name drop in every verse. It's crazy. I just. Right. And something I noticed overall, actually, in the production, um, he, 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 at this this time in hip hop history, he is already sampling other hip hop artists that are basically his peers and and basically just you know sampling their shit and crediting them um i forgot uh, i'm gonna find one for there's one on there is the dark side so when you get to that i'll try and find it but um yeah it's it's, it's so crazy like how this guy off this i'll just focus on this album especially um you know and and we haven't even mentioned superman lover yet which obviously you know uh, stretches as a as a concept song like really, the way he stretches it throughout his career is absolutely fascinating, and even even that has its own feel to it. Like it's always storytelling, and it's always like super graphic to the point where it's just comedic. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like suplexing women. It's just it's, it's, it's so it's so it's violent, but it's super stupid. So you don't you don't take you you, you can't possibly no, take it seriously. Serious, no. And I just love it. I just love the surrealness of it. He's surreal. Uh, the weed bars like. Uh, I, uh, for this album especially, I love this album. Um, it's a really just enjoyable listen. It's super repeat. Uh, it's, it's just epic replay value. The beats are nice, um, and yeah, it's, it's just absolutely outstanding. It's an outstanding album. Top ten, man, I'm telling you. One of so, the best de- one of the best debuts uh, I've ever heard. Honestly, I never I never listened to this album before. Um, I'd never heard it before, and when I first heard it, I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, oh, you know, this must be '96 or something. I was like, 1992? It's so ahead. It's so ahead. It's Excuse so ahead, me? Bro. Like, how did he... It is so ahead. And he was, he was like... So, so vocals from this album have been interpolated and sampled. Just the vocals, just the lyrics, 66 times just from this album. Common, Swiss Beats, Tupac, Eminem, Dilated Peoples, KRS-One, Ludacris, Brand Nubian, Usher, Action Bronson, Dance Effects, even Vanilla Ice have interpolated lyrics from this record. And... As I said, like as Charlie said, I can't believe we missed out on Red Man when we talked about G Funk because maybe we—I don't think we did. I really don't think we did. But man, this is a New Jersey album, and I don't know anyone else from New York apart. I know Park was born in New York, but like I don't know anyone else in New York or in New Jersey on the East Coast doing G Funk on this level. I could be blanking on that. I have to do some research, but. It's wild, man. And one, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you plan on moving on. So there we go. Great example of the sampling side of it. Time for some action, right? Which is on obviously this album we're talking about. So this is perfect, right? Uh, how it's it got it has. How could I just kill a man? Uh, not Cypress Hill. That was obviously last the year before. So it, it goes like time for some action. That's that's I I definitely got that. Uh, it has a uh, Mama knock you out from nineteen ninety. Uh, actually, actually, actually references hardcore from Redman and EPMD from 1990, and just rhyming with Biz uh, from 97. 
like what it's just, it's just, I love it. I just love it. I love the, I love the sampling. I love the production. It's just, it's, it's, it's such a great start already. I love it. It's wild. It's got a ninety review average. Um, it's regarded as Fucking a classic, right. man. It's regarded as a, as a classic. Fucking I don't know right. much else to say. I might get it on vinyl just for, just for respect. I know. And Char- Charlie pretty much nailed the whole thing. Like I, you know, he produces every song here except one, uh, which was uh, hardcore. Eric Sermon is along for the ride on most of them. Pete Rock is on How to Roll a Blunt. Man, like, and this, when I listen to this album, listen to the lyrics, I'm like, holy shit. But before we get into the next album, I do want to, I think it is worthy mentioning Wu-Tang as early as this because Redman is often seen as the 11th member of Wu-Tang. Now, he told Datwon Thomas that their bond goes back to 92 when this album came out. And he says, let's get it right. Wu-Tang embraced me back in 92 when I did the Fat Jam campaign with Russell Simmons. The Fat Jams joint was me, Onyx, Sweet Tea, and others. Wu-Tang Clan embraced me when my intro music was Protect Your Neck. You have to understand, when Protect Your Neck came out, they were still in the hood, just like I was. I didn't get out of the hood to my third album. When they saw their song playing on a Russell Simmons Def Jam platform, they were ecstatic. Meth told me this later. Ever since then, they embraced you. I'm proud to say I'm like the 11th member. Even when I work with Wu-Tang or do songs with Wu-Tang, I never ask for money. I never do it to get a check or anything. I do it for the love. And I did a lot of work for Wu-Tang. Now, you know, his connection to Wu-Tang is well documented through so many collabs. Back in 2010, he caused a little bit of controversy when he called himself a member of Wu-Tang. And in turn, he said that Method Man was a member of Dev Squad. And RZA came out and he said this in relation to that. We love Red Man. He knows that. Redman has always been with us. You know how many times we had Redman spitting in the studio or sitting in the car smoking? In Wu-Tang, we call each other brothers because we grew up so many years together, but Redman is definitely like a first cousin. So, I mean, that's how RZA describes it. You know, first cousin to brother is, that's the kind of relationship they had. So I first knew about Redman extensively via Wu-Tang, you know, and obviously I'd heard him referenced and saw him on the Christina Aguilera song, but like, I met. I, I came into Environmath, so yeah, I thought I'd just add that little bit of context in there before we get to his second album, which is very interesting. If you want to jump into that, Charlie. Yeah, there is a dark side. Um, I mean, it's kind of. Uh, I, I honestly, with all, the, with all the guess we just gave what the album, I feel like I like this more. Um, just as a consistent listen. Uh, I. I. I Honestly, I think for this, it's more for me. It's more about uh, the. I think it's more about the skits here for me. Uh, I think that's another thing we haven't even mentioned yet. The skits, the Red Man skits, are absolutely sick. Like uh, they, they, they are just absolutely outstanding. I love that's them. The thing, they're man. they're yeah. funny. They're just so. They're funny, creative. Uh, it's it ticks all the boxes. It just it you don't skip them. You're just like, what freak? What f- fucked up shit is the is is this is this uh, skit gonna say? And it's never him. It's always just like somebody else saying some dumb shit. And I just love that. Um, so the, yeah, the the the, fe- the the skits feature uh you know just um in inside the songs. They're not actually uh well it doesn't say skit in the uh, track list. So I may be wrong. Um, but yeah. Um, a little bit more, a little bit more collaboration here. Uh, you know, majority Redman again on the production, and I'm definitely here for that. Uh, Eric Sermon's here, just a little less, but he's still here. Uh, we have a uh, Rock Wilder on Bob Your Head to this as well. 
uh, and also neurotic, uh, uh, which is, which is good. Um, I'm here for that. But yeah, I just um, <laughs> I also like this spelling of some of these, uh, which is uh, you know, bob your head to this is just spells one word, and when I come around, this what what did what what would it look like? Oh, that's oh, I love that song so much. Um, but yeah, uh, I I, I just I, th- I don't know. I just feel like um, I can't I can't really explain it. There's more there's more things to highlight on what. Um, but I just enjoy this album overall. I feel like it's just a much more. I just feel it uh, as a as a whole listen. I think it just uh, fits more for me. It's longer, uh, which uh, which will be a detriment to some of these albums next. Uh, but for this one, I think he found a real perfect medium here. Uh, Cosmic slop with Eric Sermon and Keith Murray just bangs. Uh, a million and one Buddha spots. The journey. Uh, I can't wait is an absolute tune. Love can't wait. Uh, pop out the trunk. Cock up. I will give you a bubble. Bubble. I love it. Um, but yeah, I I, I just I, I like this album mainly. Just a little bit. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more than uh, what. But it's very close. They're very similar. Um, overall, I just feel like because this is longer, there's just more to it. There's just more to enjoy here. You know what I mean? They're both good meals, but this just has more to eat. If that makes any sense, that's literally my only reasoning for it. Um, but it is, uh, I, and I also think the dark side side, uh, the element of it, the the I guess the concept of it, if that makes any sense. Um, uh, I, I I think that really uh, that's probably another thing that pushes it over the edge for me. Uh, I really like that. Uh, that 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 just just that element that he threw in there, that creative element of uh, of, of dark side radio and and, st- and stuff like that. I I'm 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 completely here for that. It it, it doesn't it doesn't bog down the album at all. Um, it doesn't make it depressing or anything, but it just adds a little bit of, a little bit of spice to it. So I'm I'm completely here for that. This is a fascinating record, man. Because you're right, you're spot on. It's a continuation of the theme from the first album, and the third album has continues this theme uh in it continues so i'll talk about it in a sec but like another 42 times his vocals have been sampled on this album which is again incredible uh i think that it's good as good as his out his first album like i think it's very close um he has a production credit on every single song here the beats are incredible uh there's a lot of a lot of influence like i think that you know the journey for example G-Funk was starting to evolve in the mid-90s. It was becoming darker and a little bit more understated. Like if you look at Tupac's mid to, mid-90s catalog, there's all that like kind of understated feel to it with those like driving bass lines. And Redman was really able to adapt and pivot, you know, as well as easing his fans into the boom bap phase, which he'd get to on his next album. Fascinating, fascinating sonically. Uh, he told Hip Hop DX that this album is literally coming from the darkness. He said he was doing a lot of drugs. He wasn't. Uh, he hasn't actually played the album since he released it in 94 because of how lost he was during the recording process. He even ranks this record as his second worst due to the content in the process. He told Hip Hop DX he doesn't even remember how he recorded it or what studio he recorded it in. Now, during the Rhymes or Reason documentary, he's seen promoting the record at the Jack the Rapper convention in Florida. And he proclaims, some of y'all do some dark shit you don't want anybody to know about. But on my album, I'm doing it all. To journey through my shit, you'll need flashlights. 
When I first heard this record, I saw it in a similar lane to some of Big L's work. I thought it was probably just horrorcore and, you know, a lot of embellishments for the sake of comedy. Uh, now, Adario Strange wrote a cover story in the Fall 94 edition of The Source, and he recalled Redman standing five inches in front of him screaming about visions of people who commit suicide by jumping off buildings. Now, if you consider the humor that permeates the skits on a lot of his records, this album might be a real dive into darkness that listeners aren't really expecting. You know, Redman was clearly not courting commercial success. He still went number 13 on the Billboard 200 and was certified gold a few months after release. He tapped into a market on this record that I don't think too many people were exploring in 1994. Because, you know, 94 was a seismic shift in hip-hop as it was. Ready to Die by Biggie. That was closed by Suicidal Thoughts. That was on that record. Uh, Insane Clown Posse arrived via their second LP, Ringmaster, which went gold. Um, you know, the the, the horrorcore kind of subgenre was... Uh, you know, it was invented, Cool Keith said he invented it. Um, but the term was first uttered in 91 on KMC's album Three Men with the Power of Ten. And you could argue that the genre peaked in 96 with Dr. Octagonicologist. I always struggle to say that fucking album title. Uh, but 94 was a watershed year, especially through Gravediggers and Flatliners. And There is a Dark Side is not horrorcore. You know, it's dark, it's deep. And, and you, as Charlie said, a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, Reggie's lyrics could be put in that category, you know, just like embellishing and, and really taking it over the top for the sake of comedy. But this record is is powerful and emotional in the same realm that I would consider Scarface's movie. And, you know, in the record, Redman is committed to a mental institution, the same as he was in his debut. But this time, I think it's really more tortured. And Dr. Travis provides like a bit of a guide as Redman kind of descends into genuine madness. And that's a wild album, man. You know, it's it's a really wild album. On Rockefeller, he dedicates the song to his departed friend, and then he kind of launches into a devastating lyrical display where he references everyone from Kraftwerk to Pearl Jam to Nick Nolte. Um, you know, it's just, it's an amazing record. It's an amazing record. I think it's his last real dalliance with the underground here. On the song, basically, he, like, chastises rappers who try to use the underground to make a comeback. I uh, said, why is it every time a platinum album, a platinum multi, multi-platinum mm. artist always use the underground to make a comeback? Is it fair Great to point. the hardcore rappers that rap that don't give a fuck about the radio plus the next bitch at that? And being hardcore yeah. is not about wearing high-tech boots and black scully hats and making fake-ass yeah. frowns because your best body packs, you yeah. know? And I yeah. think that sums it up. I think that sums it up. Yeah. But I think on Muddy Waters, Redman was about to realize that he was not underground anymore. But, bro, this album is... And and I respect it because this is his first yeah. major album on Def Jam. And he went... I think he went 49 on his last album and it's it went gold. And we've been on this this podcast a lot of times with sophomore albums saying, you know, they, they try to do the exact same thing on their first album or they try to, like, find some mm-hmm. sort of commercial success that they didn't have on their mm-hmm. first album. Redman didn't mm-hmm. do that. He just said, you know, mm-hmm. I'm fucked up and I'm going to give you my fucked upness. And then we get to Muddy Waters, which is wild. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's... Uh, like like you said, it kind of uh, can uh, continues on from everything. Um, production wise, uh, getting a little bit less on the Redman front, which um, I feel I feel like I noticed. Um, I would have guessed, uh, but I didn't really 
uh, I didn't really know while I was listening, but I can't. I could have just. I, I don't know. I could have. I, I felt in the force to say that. Um, but you know, he's he's there. He's there for most of it. Uh, Eric Sermon's here as well. Rockwild has come back for a couple. Uh, Pras on "Do What You Feel" featuring Method Man. Okay, why not? Here for it. It's actually a good beat. I actually like that. Um, and uh, continuing on from the uh, you know the sampling you know peers. Yes, uh, yes, yes, y'all. Uh, obviously, references the uh, uh, common. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. You don't start to the beat, y'all. Get on. Um, so yeah, that's I, I, lo- I love that side of it. Uh, I'm always here for that. Uh, just uh, kind of like meta sampling kind of, kind of thing. We need more of that. We need more meta sampling. But obviously, people would just call it. Uh, some people just consider that biting and not really understand the concept of what sampling is. But here we are. Uh, that's probably why people don't do it most of the time. But anyway, um, yeah, you know the skits on here. I think uh, I think a top tier chicken head convention is absolutely fucking hilarious. Like just <laughs> it goes on for like two, three minutes. Is absolutely fucking class. Obviously, fucking obviously, fucking read some of it. It's just absolutely hilarious to read. Um, but yeah, uh, past that, uh, so I think I think this is. I would hazard a guess. I think, if I remember correctly, this is my favourite Superman lover. Um, just a, just a random, just a random thing. I, I just want to shout out there because uh, you know I feel like because they all they, a lot of them blend together. Uh, but I feel like this is a the best Superman lover. If um if I personally um if I personally if I personally say so myself, feel free to uh, uh come at me on that on that front. Uh, see if I can catch that as well. But uh, yeah uh. The rest of it is, um, I don't know, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't want to say, like, the production, the fact that he's not on the production as much as the previous two is the, is the thing that sets it apart from me, but I guess, I guess it has to, because I can't really, I can't really think about anything else, um, as to why, not, not that I don't prefer, I, I, what, what, how, how should I word it, like, I prefer the other two, let's just say that, I, I would, if you ask me to listen to a Red Man album, I'm picking the first two, especially. Um, but uh, you know, there, there's some good stuff on here. I think uh, that you know the it's still consistent. It's consistent. He's he's staying consistent uh, on quality wise, which is always good, and I can't complain about. I'm just gonna say personally for me, I prefer the first two, and uh, this takes a little bit, the slightest bit of step down. But that's only, I guess, only because uh, the uh, he he's less there. Uh, he's less present on the production side. But even with that said, I'm reaching. You know, he is there for majority of it. I'm uh, not not gonna act like he's you know gone <laughs> completely. Um, but you know, this is, uh, some people say this is his best album. I I can see that. I can definitely understand if people say that. I can't. I won't. Uh, I won't uh, tell you no. Uh, but for personally, for me. Uh, apart from the best having the best Superman lover and uh, and uh, also um, some of the best skits uh, throughout his uh, throughout his discography, uh, I personally prefer the first two. But this is a great album nonetheless, and uh, legendary in its own right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I prefer the first two in the sense that I think they're darker and just the lyrical content more raw. But you know, as this is widely regarded as his greatest album, is certainly a classic. Uh, it's the first Redman album to feature Method Man on "Do What You Feel." Obviously, basically one of the greatest duos hip hop has ever seen. 
Uh, Redman, yeah. <laughs> remember that, and I'll put this into context this album. Remember that Redman was signed to Rush Management and Rush came under the Def Jam umbrella. Now, Leo and Russell okay. were both heavily involved in Rush, and Redman, uh, Russell and Leo all agree that signing Redman was a huge shot in the arm for the label. And Redman told Hip Hop DX, there was a time when Def Jam was needing a little bit of savior as far as the artists, a little bit of money. They were so caught up in what they were hearing on the radio. I came in with my album, Muddy Waters, and they loved it. They loved it, but they were skeptical. They were skeptical on the music. They were skeptical because I was too hardcore, open with the weed talk and everything like that. They didn't really have anything up at Def Jam like that. I sat with Lior and I said, listen, this is how I work. I go against the grain. I said, just trust me. I'm going to work this vein. Let me do what I'm going to do. Just trust me. And he was like, okay, let go. He released that and that shit immediately went 5,000 and better. It brought money to the label and it brought a new light to the label. After that, it was something that I wanted to earn. That was the leniency of them being on top of me to put out a certain type of album that they thought would win. Now, you either, oh, you know, Red Man can say all that, but like, well, Russell said, from the time I heard it, I loved it. Maybe because my name is on it, but it was reaffirming the original vision of Def Jam in a powerful way. And I think this is part of the triumph of the album. And this is me talking now. In the same way that DMX revitalized hardcore hip hop in the late 90s, Redman reminded everyone that you didn't have to get Diddy dancing in your videos or crossover appeal to, to women to sell bulk records. And Redman was always heavily influenced by the West Coast, despite being from Jersey. And this is what he said about the sound and the content of Muddy Waters. There was so much reaching for a radio-driven record, and any of my fans know that I never had radio-driven records. I always had a very good exceptional album to put out. I put out exceptional bodies of work instead of just a good single. Now, you know, Snoop and Dre had already charted this territory on the West, and I think it was time for the East to indulge in this. And Muddy Waters is immense. And coming off the back of his last album, which was actually received with mixed reviews, he actually said he felt some self-doubt. He said, I was telling about a dark side which was in myself. And as far as what's going on in the world, which people wouldn't get too open off of, but it still went gold though. The whole Muddy Waters title is not about th how things look or how deep it can get or can be. It's just the slouchiness of the album. I surfaced from the last album. I was in the dirt last time, covered to my head. Now it's like I can surface with the mud on me now. I came out, so it's time for me to get back open like I was on the first album. Now, Eric Sermon produces much more solo songs on here, and Redman's a little bit less involved. He got prize from the Fugees for Do What You Feel. Rockwild is on here, Sugarless, who worked with MC Light, Rex and Effect. So the album, I think, has a real special feel. I think he dives right into the deep end on songs like Izzy For Real. Um, he calls himself the Moby Dick of dopeness. <laughs> like, you know, I've, I've got so many, like, uh, this, this, this episode could go on forever. I've got so many fucking quotables. I think the track with Meth is amazing. Um, instead of giving us something similar to How High, which was their huge hit single from 95, we just get them going back and forth and dropping bars and weaving in and out of the, each other's subject matter. Um, I think what's key and pivotal about this album is how essential it was for Redman and Def Jam because Def Jam needed a new direction and EPMD were on the wane uh, in that sense, uh, like commercially. Public Enemy were going that direction. Slick Rick was out of the hit-making business. In 93, they released albums from Onyx, LL Cool J. Um, in 94, it was Flatliners, Method Man, Public Enemy, Slick Rick, Warren G. In 95, they had two top 15 albums. 
I think the Red Man kind of brought a whole different energy to that and a whole different energy to selling records, you know. As I say, he didn't he didn't concede. He never concedes on his albums. He just makes the albums he wants to make. And I think that's the true triumph of this record. I as you know, Charlie said, I think it's a great album. I can see why people say it's his best. I personally think his second album is his best. Maybe his uh, it's so close between his first it's and hot. second. Yeah. Yeah. But like they let's just say they're both even. And this is just a touch yep. below, just because I felt that raw energy on those first two albums, and I connected with the pain. You know, that's something that I've gone through in my life. Not exactly the same as Redman, of course, but like dark emotional states. So, you know, shout out to Redman. Maybe when I when I emerge from my mud, then I'll feel you know more connected <laughs> to this record. But like, it's still a great <laughs> fucking project. Yeah, so uh, next one is uh, Doxter Name. Um, I'm going to keep this, uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to speed things up from on my side. Uh, you can do what you feel um, based on your research and that with this pertinent. But yeah, I feel it, I feel like this is where it goes down for me personally. Um, in just in ter- uh, but, but honestly, it's not even the case of like... Uh, it's not even the case of like the music starts to suck. Um, not at this point. It gets there, but we're not there yet. Um, this is this is this is fine as an album. It's fine. I like the uh, I like the Brick City uh, concept. He 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 uh, brings that in for this album and continues with it uh, for a little bit later. Um, I, I I don't know. I just feel like it's and and I know it's not as uh, it's sixty nine minutes. Haha, <laughs> nice. Um, you know, it's but and the other one's right, six. And Muddy Waters is sixty seven. <laughs> um, I didn't say nothing. I uh, just said nice. Don't know what your problem is. Um, but you know, I don't know. I just, I just feel. I don't know why it feels long. It just feels extremely long to me. I guess it's because it's twenty-four tracks, including skits, and that uh, that just uh, drags some stuff along. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. It just, it just feels too long. Um, and I, I can't really say why. I just got to like, you know, do goodness with Buster Rhymes and I was kind of just like, uh, how long we got? Oh, fucking hell, we got like four, tw- 10 more tracks, fuck. I don't know why it felt longer than the uh, than, than Muddy Waters for especially since they're so close in time. But it, it, I don't know, it just, um, it just really dragged on for me and I can't, I can't really put my finger on as to why. Um, I guess it's just the fact that it's 24 tracks, um, but even with that, you know, Muddy Waters is 23, so I, I can't, I don't know what the change here is for me, and I can't put my finger on it, uh, as to why I'm not really into this album as much as the other three, um, because there are some good stuff on here, um, but, but even with that said, like, stuff, something like, um, uh... You know, let the monkey out. I, I just, I just, I don't know. I find the monkey imagery really weird, and it makes me uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's something. Um, but also, like you know, even on the goodness, actually, as, a, as a, since I mentioned it before, um, it has some like uh, interesting instrumentation. I, I guess like soca is the is the is the is the uh, is the, is the term uh, for that kind of interpolation. But uh, an instrumentation, but yeah, it just came across really weird to me. As it really stuck out like a sore thumb to me. Um, but yeah, uh, but you know, even when I said Million Chicken March, banger, absolutely banger of a skit. Once again, here we go with the banger hooks. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Uh, Brick City Mashing, cool, but I don't know. I, once I got like halfway, not even halfway through, but like once I got to like 14, 15, I was just like, damn. So many tracks left. It's uh, you know, and, and like, a lot of them are four minutes. I'm just like, I don't know, man. It just, it just, it, it just, it just stretched a lot for me. Yeah, I think the fourth album is tough. If you've dropped three classics already, you know. I think it got. Yeah, rave- you have to fall off at some point, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did get rave reviews, but uh, I think '98 sure yeah. was one of the greatest, if not the greatest year. I mean, 1988 maybe as well. 1998, 2018 was great too. Every fucking eight, I don't know that 2008 was on that level, but uh, yeah, '98 sure? was. <laughs> Well, was one of the greatest years in hip-hop history, and we got a contemporary album, and I actually think this album was a couple of years before its time. The title was a bit of a prophecy, because yeah. they get really yeah. heavy, yeah. like Swizz Beats, 2000s. early 2000s, track masters, even a bit of Neptune's vibes off the project. That may be why. That may be why. Yeah, you fucking hate <laughs> I don't rate it as like... Bro, every time we get into the 2000s, it. Charlie just... <laughs> I just yeah, I just tune up. I just tune up. I just so. I mean, the production was mostly handled by Eric Sermon again. Holy shit, that Eric Sermon retrospective. Eric's on it, bro. On it. That's a three-parter. That one. That's that's a massive (laughs) episode. So it charted number eleven, certified platinum. Skits are highlights, of course, which is a rarity for hip hop albums, which tend to prioritize like unfunny crassness over witty crassness. And you know, I think Redman's witty. Redman said, when Doxa Name went platinum, I was like, oh shit, I can do this. I was tired to treat the album like I was doing Muddy Waters, but with new kind of music. It worked out for me. When I drop a song like De Goodness featuring Busta Rhymes in a live show, it comes on like it was in a club. People go crazy when that song comes on. I don't have a lot to say as you know about this record. I think it's good. I think it's brilliantly put together. I think it's very consistent. I really enjoy it. The track with Busta sounds like it was mixed on a cassette deck. That's the weird thing. I don't know what was going on in that one. Um, there's a lot of storytelling, a lot of wild situations. Uh, he talks on my zone about people getting robbed at an ATM with a staple gun, <laughs> which is like, I don't mean to laugh, but like just the image is so absurd to me. And that's what he does a lot on this, this album is so vivid and it's so absurd a lot of the time. Um, you know, on, on, uh, d- dogs, he just raps, grab the intercom and yell, fuck you and your mom. Like. Uh, it's just like it's just random quotables stuck on this every every time I listen to a Redman album there's just quotables everywhere so yeah it's, it's, it's a good album I enjoy it a lot I don't think it's as good as his first three of course but like I, I still like it next one yeah, Malpractice um, yeah Malpractice um, yeah here we get here we get into it's definitely too long uh, uh, segment of the show um, this one's bordering 80 minutes and uh, I I don't think there's any need for that um, I love Let's Get Dirty, love that track, absolute classic, again, shout out to Jeff Jam, uh, Five for NY, uh, for one of those tracks on the soundtrack, um, you know, Superman Lover Part 5, uh, uh, 5 Part 1 and 2 are great, Dogs 2 with DMX, great, uh, Wrong For That with Keith Murray is great, um, but yeah, there's just a, a lot of, um, there's a lot of features that uh, stretch this um, that stretch this album out a lot. Um, there's there's two posse cuts on here. Uh, uh, Real niggers with the uh, Icarus, Manny G, Scarface, and Tretch. Is it Tretch or Treach? I, I know it's Tretch, but it just looks it looks like Treach or something. Um, and also Bricks Two with the D Don, Double O, Roz, Sugar Bear, and Pace One. 
the juice isn't worth the squeeze for me on those particular tracks, and uh, they both put they both push five minutes uh, over five minutes. Um, you know, there's some good there's some you know Scarface on Real Niggas is great, Tretch I guess as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think the juice is worth the squeeze on those particular tracks, and it really bloats everything else. Um, a lot of these tracks are, you know, just, I think, lo- too long for their own good. And it's, all, again, another 23-track album uh, for me personally. Not to, you know, I'm not, I'm, I, hopefully, I don't, hopefully I'm saying this just to just to say it and not to have people just go, oh, yeah, of course you're not. But, you know, I don't mind long albums, but I just need a reason for it. You know what I mean? Um, I listen to jazz for fuck's sakes. Don't get on my dick, guys, all right? Calm down. I'm not one of those millennials, all right? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just I just feel like it's too long for its own good. Um, there are There's some great stuff in there. I just feel like if it was shorter, if it was around 60-something minutes, I feel like it would be much more beneficial uh, and hit much hard, hit much nicer for me personally. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's just it's just a bit of a trek uh, to listen to. I think it's just a bit of a slog. Uh yeah. I mean, in the interim, we got we got uh, the classic duo album with Method Man, Blackout, and I think the commercial success of that. Oh, album are we carried... doing? Are we doing? Are no, we no, doing no, 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 uh, it was it was probably either statistics or how high or maybe stung. And he said that his focus was really poor on this record. He said, I was doing malpractice while I was shooting a movie. Truthfully, I wasn't focused at all. I kept it 150. I had good ideas, but I wasn't focused. There were a gang of skits and songs, but I didn't format it like I wanted to. But Let's Get Dirty was on there, and that carried on to other things. The good thing about that album is the label had to deal with my era of fans. I like this. They had to be supplied with my kind of music. Even now, they have to be supplied with our 90s shit. We were going into a new era then. Def Jam was changing. The regular bosses that were there were leaving at the time. Malpractice just fell into place, but that whole time was just strange. And I love that because we knew Def Jam was transitioning from hip-hop label to major conglomerate at this stage. In 2001, they were still dropping product in that realm, in the in the... Redman Realm, like DMX, DJ Clue. But then they had Ludacris, Christina Milian, Ja Rule. They were transitioning into a major label. Malpractice went number four and it reminded everyone, the same way Supreme Clientele did, that fans of the 90s were still in high supply. They wanted that sound. And, you know, production was very uh, diversified here. Rock Wilder and Eric Sermon, of course, but Socrates, uh, DJ Twins, eight productions for eight production credits for Redman. Uh, the Missy song, I think that, that that song with Missy is one of the best beats he's ever produced. Metacritic gave it a 59, but I actually calculated a 72, so I don't know what their weightings were on that, man. Fuck. Metacritic wild with their rating, their weightings to review. But yeah, I mean, there you go. His most commercially successful album on the Billboard 200, at least. And then we get, <laughs> we get Red Gone Wild, the album. Did you actually listen to this one? Yes, I did. Ah! Good oh, old 2007, hit me, eh? Hit me with it, man. Yeah, hit yeah, us. Good old 2007. Um, I, 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 I don't have much. Uh, again, tr- 
trick, but as, but with that said, um, it, it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't trick as much as malpractice for me personally. Um, I, get, I I honestly think that's because the features do better. Um, uh, just I, I think the juice is worth the squeeze here with the features that are on here. Uh, blow trees with Ready Rock and Method Man, great. Melanie Rutherford, who whenever she features on here, it just escalates. Shout out to her, she bosses it. Um, right now with er uh, that Eric Sohn production, uh, uh, sampling Al Green. Run now, run now, right. Oh God, I love that song so much. Um, uh, and obviously Mary Jane, which uh, references heavily the, the the song Mary Jane from Rick James. Uh, that features Snoop Dogg and Nate Dogg, classic, uh, cu classic combination right there. You can't miss there. Uh, <laughs> good old Scott Storch uh, uh, production on freestyle, freestyle. That's a very two thousands beat. Uh, Pete Rock on Gimme One, highlight for me. Uh, but yeah, I again, this is eighty minutes, but it doesn't, it doesn't uh, overstays. Uh, yeah, does it overstays? Welcome. I mean, yeah, I I think again, it still can be short for me personally, but I it's it's not as egregious for me as the malpractice was. I'll say that. But yeah, the the features I think do better, pound for pound here as well. Yeah, man. I mean, this is uh, in the interim was "Dirty" by Christina Aguilera, which came out in two thousand two. Uh, wild man, Red, Red Man comes like crashing through the video like Godzilla in a in a city, just stomping on buildings. And he actually went on tour with Christina Aguilera, and that song only went forty eight on the Hot one hundred. Which is crazy. Really? Yeah, bro. That's that was everywhere, bro. I know. I know. Oh, I don't understand. Go. Saw significant success in the British Isles. Yeah. Number one in <laughs> four countries. Top in the charts it... in the UK. Yeah. Yeah, I could, yeah that's, 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 there yeah. you go. That makes sense. It went number one over here too. Um, everywhere, so bro. Everywhere. This is what, this is what he said. Uh, he was unhappy with Def Jam, right? He actually says that his money began to run out in the mid-2000s. He said he was, you know, uh, he was appearing on TV shows. He was having... In his own words, he said, I was having kids and doing Smack DVDs. Uh, if you remember the Smack DVDs of the 2000s, you know, they were pretty wild. He actually says money Sorry, as a season. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You need to write my own back. What are, for those, what are Smack DVDs? Well, let me find it. Let me find it because I, I don't want to I don't want to ruin it. Um, because I'm, I'm just saying just because it they just sound that just that sounds weird. You know what I mean? Uh, so I just wanted you to help define what Smack DVDs are, <laughs> because well they're like because they're I don't like, think I don't think a lot of people would know. Uh, what Smack they're DVDs. just like rap battles and like you know okay. stuff on the street yeah. and and videos taken so, on the street. Yeah. So URL Ultimate Rap League before Ultimate Rap League kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it was okay. yeah it was kind of yeah, like that. And French yeah, was Smack big. DVD sounds like uh, you know it just, does sound like he was doing Smack. Just sounds like, like yeah low, no it just sounds like low rate porn. It's, yeah, or he could just be times. going around beating people up on the street and filming it. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of different connotations <laughs> to the word smack. Like, it's a <laughs> it's an evocative word, it's isn't a YouTube it? YouTube series way to happen. Um, yeah, so he was doing these smack DVDs, and uh, he criticized Def Jam. He said, "My label was shit. There wasn't any direction or good leaders. The staff was lost on what good music was. The era was changing two or three times within nine months." And he said of his hiatus, the internet got involved and there was a lot of downsizing in the recording studios in terms of equipment and staff. So I was stuck as a 90s boy. Um, 
you know, this album went 13 on the Billboard 200, which is a pretty big feat when you consider. It has a, a review average of 79. I think he sounds great on some of these beats. Uh, the Timberland stuff, Pete Rock, Rockwater, the Scott Storch beat is poor. That's a poor beat, man. That feels like he forgot to finish it. And then, like, he thought he'd finished it, and then it was in his it outbox, and he's like, oh, shit, I, like I forgot to send it. Thumb. Yeah, he sends so it, and Redman was like, oh. oh, fuck it, I'll just rap over the top of this. So... <laughs> It's you like know. it's like that. You remember that? You remember that? Uh, you remember those videos like a few years ago where it was just like, uh, do, 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 ch, 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 yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. It's it's like that. It's like that. Yeah. It's so basic. It's like Fruity Loops. Maybe it was the first time Scott Storch has <laughs> ever used Fruity Loops, and he was just fucking around, and he accidentally <laughs> sent it to Redman, and Redman put it on his album. Shout, shout out to the Fruity Loops producers, man. Shout yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Re- Reggie. The next album is Reggie. Yeah, this is the worst album for me. I I've. Not much to say to this. Um, I, I just, ah, oh, just this is so 2010. It pains, it pains me. Um, I've, I mean, look at the producers, bro. Like, who the fuck are these people? I'm not. Even, sorry, I'm sorry. Like, who are these people? Like, I just, I just, I just don't care for this album at all. <laughs> as oh, soon as, as soon as, like, that's where that's where I B came on. I was just like, oh no, he's doing it. He's doing the 2010 sound. No. Oh yeah, he did it. Oh, it's just, it just gets worse. It, it gets worse and worse. Like, And, and it's so annoying because he gets Cool Mo D on one. He gets mm. uh, on a, I'm rocking with the best. He gets Faith Evans on All I Do. Bun B and Method Man mm. on Light One With Your Boy. Bro, if that was any other decade, it would have been heat. But the production is so bad. It's so 2010. It's ugh, it's aged age like fucking milk. I can't do it. it, it it's 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 definitely it's worth by a mile for me. I can't do this album any. It's I can't give any positive towards that. Like it, it's it's dead on arrival for me personally. I just do not like it at all. Yeah, he said that this was the alter ego of what Reggie Noble wants to do. He said I wanted to do some new kind of beats and new kind of hooks and a new <coughs> feel because I feel. Get Red Man international back. <laughs> with the music. He says, I don't have Eric Sermon producing on this, which he didn't. And I don't know, man. There's some weird it bars shows. on this one. <laughs> There's some weird bars on this one. Uh, he says, I wake up, shit, and sleep in it. And I wasn't sure if he was saying that he shits and then he sleeps in his shit or if he's in it so deep that he never leaves. So he, like, it was just, you know, it was a bit weird. I think the track with Meth and Bumby is, is decent, but, um, nah, man. Just, it could have been a, so much better, bro. Rough listen, this so one. Rough listen. And then we get, uh, so we get his final, well, his most recent record is Mudface. Yeah, so I listened to this and uh, Reggie back to back, and I was like, uh, and I saw that track time, and I was just like, oh, thank fuck. <laughs> I was just like, thank you for giving me thirty-five minutes. Like, but it, but with that said, it is uh, you know obviously better. Um, I mean, could have done anything, uh, but if he if he managed to top Reggie on like how bad he is, I mean that would have been amazing. But uh, you know, uh, uh, Jalil beats. God, where, where's he gone? Mm. Bro, he 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 did like he did hot he did a Bobby Schmurder and then dips like I swear like I never heard from him again like it's just unbelievable um yeah wow uh, get Jalil beats back in the game 2017 um, yeah. was his last production credit on Wiki which was wow really? I thought, I'm I thought sure it was just um 
He's got I to have to beats. sleep. He's got to have beats <laughs> since then. That's weird. Yeah, I thought I thought I was to sleep. Damn. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. So you know, he's there. A uh, couple more Reggie um, uh, production notes on the uh, well, the intro basically, and also well, and the skit as well, but uh, not the actual songs themselves. Uh, Ill Mind on Undeniable, which is cool. Um, yeah, it's just um, it's it's solid. It comes and goes very fast. Um, uh, it's 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 okay. It, it, it's 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 fine. You know what I mean? It's not like the greatest album of 2015 or anything like that. It's just a, it's just it's just cool. I can't I can't really. It's it's a far cry from the first three. Let's just say that. Um, you know, but it, it's miles better than Reggie. So um, you know, he's 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 on an upward trajectory. Let's just say. <laughs> let's just uh, keep hopeful of that. Yeah, it was good. It was the first Redman album released independently. Um, he said that was pretty quick because I was actually working on the Muddy Waters 2 album and it's going to take a little bit more time to do that album for the magnitude I want to take Ooh. it. I just want to keep relevance with the Mudface album. But Muddy Waters 2 honestly has been being teased now for about 15 years. Like no joke. He, he I think yeah. he was meant to come out before or when Reggie came out and it just didn't come out. But yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I, I really do enjoy it. I think it's a good return to form for him. I think... Um, yeah, man, I you know it's not amazing. It's not on the quality of those no. first. I feel like a lot of artists do this, don't they? They they have like a great four, three or four first four albums, and then they kind of, I wouldn't say they lose their way, but a lot of the time they try a whole bunch of different things, and then they always circle back. And I feel like you know we could look at AZ yeah. doing Do or Die Two from you know what's that twenty six years afterwards so i think or 25 yeah. years afterwards and i think money waters too will be that i think it's a lot of 90s artists do a lot of different things in the 2000 2010s and then they like circle back with like a, a conceptual album that is the sequel to their debut or their second album or their classic album and uh, i think we'll probably get that from reggie at some point but i don't think it'll be anytime soon to be 100 percent honest i think it's going to be a bit of a wait before we get that yeah and um with that said, I feel I feel like as a final thought, uh, I guess it kind of makes sense in some ways why uh, why Redman isn't like in the current lexicon all the time as much as I feel like he should be in the current in the you know just a general hip hop conversations we have um, because you know he hasn't he he hasn't dropped like genuine heat in a while right and. Uh, Especially if you haven't dropped anything heat in like uh, in during the social media era, there's no people. People just don't talk about you unless you know they they were you know around before then. Um, but I do feel like you know Redman does deserve uh, respect as just a top tier uh, as a top tier rapper and also a producer as well, which is just absolutely outstanding. I remember we did that uh, you know uh, rap rap producer episode, and you know I don't think we mentioned Redman. But I feel like he would definitely fit in that kind of jewel pantheon artist. of just the like dual artist, yeah, dual artist. That's what we did. Yeah, that was the name of it. Yeah, so you know we did that, and you know I don't think any of us mentioned Redman, but you know I feel like he deserves to be in that kind of pantheon of uh, just supremely good beats and even more supreme uh, bars to go along with them. And uh, you know, there's that's a rare that's a rare club. Um, that's an extremely rare club. So, um, you know, shout out to Redman on that front. Uh, you know, absolute legend, uh, definitely of uh, the nineties and uh, hip hop in general. Um, there's always just some, uh, and just, just 
elite weed bars, man. Just just shout to just shout to the weed community right right one one time for that one. Absolutely crazy. Top ten rapper of all time. You still stick you still stick with that. Okay. Yeah, well I think, you know, we could maybe transition that into a lighter note. It's like, yeah, just because his his best albums were in the nineties, I don't I don't think that, that precludes him from the conversation. Oh, no. No, 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 no. You know, Big Daddy Kane's in my top five. Rakim's got to be. <laughs> yeah, Rakim, right, right, right? You know what I mean? Just, just, you know, I'm not saying you can't ever, nobody should put 90s, 90s mm. artists who hasn't who haven't dropped anything good in 10 years or whatever. Like, you know, it's not, you know, I know there's definitely people that think like that, but, you know, let's not do that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I can I can respect the pick. Um, it's top 10. Um, I guess... I guess the I guess I have a uh I kind of see top 10s as like or just any top anything. Uh I kind of have a I kind of feel that there always should be a personal element to it. And uh I don't have a personal, you know, connection well with any artist really, but you know, I don't really have like a personal connection with like Redman uh you know, I I I do button now and again, but you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna say I'm a herbalist or anything like that. So you know, I I enjoy the weed bars, but you know, it's not it's not it's I don't that's not part of my identity, so to speak, right? Um, so you know, when I have somebody like Kendrick or you know Sims or Big Daddy Kane or Common in my top five, then there's a reason there's there's extra reasoning for that. It's not just because they're you know supremely fucking good at what they do. It's, it's more it's more about uh my it's more about myself more than anything so my my basically what i'm saying is my lists are very selfish um and you know i feel like that's the point is it not to have that selfish element to it right i feel, I feel like us I, I feel like most people don't say that but they always participate in it um but yeah i, I you know i objectively understand your pick and i i, I like it it's cool if I said to you right now, just hit me with your ten, could you do it? Off top, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, no particular order, obviously, but like, uh, yeah. So I've named four right there. So, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, Kendrick, Sims, uh, Common, Big Daddy Kane, mm-hmm. uh, Rakim. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me search last one right quick. <laughs> You never get about uh Dizzy Rascal six. Ooh, nice. Uh, yeah, definitely Dizzy Rascal six. Nas seven. Oh, again, sweet. Lauren Hill eight. Mm. <sighs> Am I eight? Two more. I need I need some I need some UK in there, man. I feel like I need some UK. Kano, Rootsman, I want I'm, I'm thinking. Kano's there. Kano's in my head, but like, I'm just trying to like think of any. Is, can I think of? Can I? Because I don't want to just say Kano and then like have to, Dave. you know, double back, double background. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. All right. I'll throw Kano in there. Yeah. Kano. Kano nine, and then ten. Let me go into the albums right quick. Ooh, ooh, who have I got? Uh no 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 already said that no I want to say cube I'm thinking cube Ooh, okay yeah I'm thinking cube like cause I I, I like just it. um yeah I feel like like cube uh, is when he was just at uh, that youth man it was just 
Wild. Like there was no one on his level. Like yeah, scorching. And he was coming for. He was coming for everybody. It was like it's just absurd. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'll go. I'll go cube. I'm, I feel like I'm comfortable with that. Um, you know, and shout out to like you know the likes of like um, I don't know Dave, Ocean Wisdom, Loyal Kana. Mm. Um, uh, f- f- fucking, I'm thinking of other. I'm thinking of other people. I mean, Damian Marley technically for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty. There's obviously yeah. I think I think that's a solid top ten for me. I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I feel. I think I'm happy with that. That's all right. I like it. Yeah, I feel like I'm missing somebody though. But yeah, I don't know. I would go. It's always somebody no, in it. No, no order. It's randomly off the top of my head. Biggie, Jay Z, Tupac, Nas, MF Doom, Andre Three Thousand, Slick Rick, uh, Good Good Ghostface, Redman. I want to put Kendrick, but for some <laughs> reason <laughs> I don't know why I'm not putting anyone post 2010 because I'm also wanting to put Lupe in there. But like Lupe was 06, Kendrick's first album came out or first That's project came out 04. Why do I not want? I can to, see why, that for you though. But why am that. I not putting? Why did? Why do I not put Kendrick? I'm putting Kendrick in there, but like because maybe, you have because oh, I didn't because put Lauren. I've, I didn't put Lauren. Lauren goes in there. Lauren. Lauren absolutely goes go. in there. So Lauren there goes go. in space of of Kendrick. Kendrick in the the you know the mentions the honorable mentions along with like Rhapsody. <sighs> um, big L, big L, most death. Big pun. <sighs> big pun. Fuck. Most I think I think that big pun episode really just like fucking shook us loose, man. Like that shit was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that shit shook us loose, bro. That shit shook us so fucking loose. Oh but how gosh, wild was, so was uh, this? Is the thing, man? And then you like listen to Lauren. What what album was she on? She was on the Nas album. Was she on another? Yeah, album nobody. Recently? Oh gosh, that bro. track is so good. She comes oh, back, and then I bro, just I just... rinsed that track so hard. That's but that's how how crazy how crazy are those first listens of albums that you never really like I never really knew Big Pun that well until Charlie's yeah, like I told you to I remember I, t- I I was walking the dog and I was yeah. like have you listened to Big Pun yet he was like no I'm like I'm like get on listen to Capital Punishment right fucking now <laughs> crazy crazy but it was the same when I first listened to the score and I I'd, I'd listened to Miss Education before the score and. I'm listening to the score oh. and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is she doing? Why is she violating them like this? This is not fair. She's just too good. She's too good. And it's domestic like, assault, bro. And then yeah, oh man, those those first listens are just so immense when you go back over time and oh man, yeah. yeah. But answering anyway. your question, um, but answering your question on like why I don't think you've put um, you know, post any post to uh, any post 2010 past Kendrick. Um, I feel like you. I feel like because you're, uh, you know, well, how many years old? Like seven ish years older than me. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like you're in that place where, because um, this, I feel like this is going to be it for me now. Where, um, past now, this decade for me is going to be like, I'm going to set my, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be setting my, going to be start setting. I'm going to start being set in my ways, and. I know for you personally, and like all the anecdotes you've given over the years, I feel like the people you've picked is um, predictable, but not in like an offensive way, because I understand why you've picked those people, because you were 
in that formative year of like uh, formative years of just listening to those guys and really just fucking like rinsing them um because obviously you were at the point where you were copying their albums and spinning them and they're all you had to spin um so you know when it comes to someone like uh i don't know name any 20 post you know, Big Crit, for example, right? Yes. I can listen to Big Crit and really fucking enjoy Big Crit. And if anybody put Big Crit in their top 10, I would not be against that. I'd be like, fine, sure, because Jesus Christ, like, he comes to some heat. Um, and just real great production as well. Like, he's another dual artist that we definitely, I know we definitely mentioned him. And he deserves that. Um, he's definitely in that pantheon. Um, but... You know, unless you're... Un, un, do you have any big crit vinyl? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I I, I can see... I, I think the easy answer is just, like, you didn't grow up with the rest of them, uh, with the with the post-2010 people. And Kendrick is just one of those just undeniable talents that have just broken through. And I think Lupe's right there for you. I'd say if you did 15, you'd put him in there. Mm. Um so yeah, you know, it's just it's Rhapsody's just one of those like things. That too. Rhapsody's oh that. fuck! Oh, yeah, I was going to say so close. She is so close. No, she's no, she's close. she's close. She's close. She needs one. She needs one more album for one me. More. I think like one more yeah, album. One more. It doesn't even I have like, to be Eve quality. I do, just the idea of good. beautiful. The idea of beautiful is great. It's 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 got some good stuff in there, but it's it's not like Layla's wisdom and Eve are just yeah. so top tier. Yeah, like it's just crazy. So if she has another top tier like that, like she's she's getting in. She might be in my top ten somehow. I don't know how, but she might get in there because yeah. those two albums just. Uh, I I remember listening to those two. They, those first listens were some of the best first listens I've ever had for albums. Like, I, I just can't. I just can't help that. Um, I can't wait to that retrospective when we when we do that one day. I don't know when, but that's gonna be amazing. Um, all right, let's fin- let's finish there. We'll be going off in ninety minutes. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth End Podcast Network, uh, it's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Film. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. All right, next week we are doing Brand Nubian. Uh, hey. That's going to be interesting. I forgot uh, we were doing Brand Nubian. Yeah, going, getting into some five percent of stuff, bro. These gang, gang. so look. Can I just say these are fucking exciting, man? I love these episodes. This is fucking amazing. Like I'm just yeah, mad enjoying this shit as a fan of hip hop. Like this is just yeah. I fucking love this shit. But I'm, I think I think we should. I think now we've got a now we've got like a month ahead schedule. I feel like we should just keep this. Yeah, and you know just uh, try and. So next month I'm gonna I'll give you a list again, and if you want to throw some names in there, then fine, we'll add it to the pot. And then we'll uh, pick out, you know, November, and then etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We'll keep going off from that. We'll, we'll try. We're going to try and keep consistent on like you know the planning ahead front because we know what we're going to do for the next month. Uh, UK Black History Month next month uh, on October, so we're doing all UK uh, all UK artists. So that's going to be fun. Have we picked uh, we'll them out that. yet? We'll drop that next week. Yeah, we've we picked them out. We'll, I'll drop. Right. We'll drop the names next week. Right, um, and uh, yeah. So with that said, brand newbie next week. Looking forward to that. And uh, with that said. Hope you all have a good week. We shall always, always try and do the same. Fun until the next time. Take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. Ah, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of video games by Vogue's points. I said your records for the video to use. 
Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and chill off records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast and production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time as we slow down or dig in digits.